0: Welcome to Beneath the Rim, covering everything that's happening in and around the NBA. You're about to hear one of our layup episodes. Quick hits of information to keep you up to date on what's happening, but short enough to squeeze in during your morning drive. Check back on Sundays for the full court episode, where host Kevin Kloss chats with the brightest minds covering the league. Now time for the show. Welcome to Beneath the Rim, I'm Kevin Kloss. This show is happy to be a part of the Roto-Heat family of podcasts, and today on this layup episode, we're going to continue our review of all 30 NBA teams. On Monday, we kicked this series off with a look at the Atlanta Hawks, and today we're going to take a look at one of the new up-and-coming teams in the NBA. That, of course, takes us to Brooklyn for the Brooklyn Nets. No basketball fan out there is going to be getting new breaking news when I tell you that the Brooklyn Nets were able to sign two of the biggest free agents to hit the market this July, and that was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But when we look at the team, because that's really so much of what their offseason was, was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, to really evaluate this team, I think it's important to kind of take a step back. Now, I'm always going to take this following stance, and that's I don't want to be a guy who comes on here and tries to tell you that I have a number of sources, that sources tell me that this is happening. I feel like this summer we've gotten a lot of fatigue out of the fact that people online and people on different shows, there's everyone is claiming to have sources and inside information. And quite honestly, I think it's getting old for a lot of us who are taking in a lot of NBA content because we don't know who to trust. So here's sort of my promise to you. I will only tell you I have a source when I do. The truth of the matter is, I have about two to three, maybe four at the most, NBA sources who are plugged into the league in one way or another. So if you hear me say that a source tells me or someone close to a team told me, it is one of just a few individuals who I know who are connected in the NBA. With that being said, in February... I was talking to someone who was very close to the Nets organization, and he told me that he was very confident that Kyrie Irving was going to end up in Brooklyn. I was skeptical as could be at this point, because I still looked at the Knicks as the front runner for Durant and for Kyrie, or for maybe even a Kawhi situation, back when we didn't know if he was going to leave Toronto, back when we didn't know that he would ultimately end up with the Clippers. So as early as February, you know, there were rumblings that Kyrie was going to want to go to Brooklyn. You know, this guy who's close to the team basically told me, look, Kyrie is from the area. They're talking with him. They're interested in bringing him back to the area. And this is where he wants to play. I was told he wants to play in Brooklyn, and I didn't believe it. So when we got close to that free agency period and we started to get that leaked information that, hey, Kyrie's going to Brooklyn, I guess I shouldn't have been shocked because the other thing I was told was Kyrie was going to Brooklyn and he was going to try to bring Kevin Durant with him. I didn't believe the second part at all, but it turns out that that's exactly what happened. Now in retrospect, there's all kinds of information that's coming out there now that says, and I can't verify any of this information. It's all just sort of speculation and rumors that Kevin Durant was not overwhelmed with his meeting with the Knicks. The Knicks just have always failed to have that real great pitch to a big-time free agent, whether that was LeBron James, whether that was Kawhi Leonard, whether that was Kevin Durant this year. They haven't just been able to hook that big fish. But Brooklyn has, and Brooklyn is building something in the Eastern Conference, in the East in general, where they're positioned to really be the power team in the Eastern Conference for many years to come. Now what's the downside to hooking up with KD and Kyrie? Well, you're only getting half of that combination to start the year. Let's be honest, you're really only going to end up getting Kyrie Irving this year as Kevin Durant's obviously going to have to sit out all year. I still think you're going to get a large part of the player he was this year when he's able to return next year. There's a lot of people who are concerned about what that's going to look like for him. But I think he's going to be good. I still think he's going to have you know, a lot of the tools that we saw him have over the last couple of years. Is it going to be 100%? Maybe not. But I think it's going to be close enough that he's well worth the investment. And so he's not going to be playing this year. So what do the Nets have then in terms of fielding a starting five, knowing that they have to do it without Kevin Durant? Well, they have Kyrie Irving. He can start at point guard. and Kyrie Irving, just one of the most capable scorers you're going to find at the point guard position. For my money, he's the best ball handler in the league. I know Steph Curry does just amazing things with the ball, but when I watch Kyrie, he just has that thing on a string and just has this amazing capability to get by his defender and get to the rim almost whenever he wants. And backing up Kyrie Irving is Spencer Dinwiddie, who I was underrating for far too long. He is a great backup point guard. In a pinch, if Kyrie's unable to go, you can start Dinwiddie with confidence. So the point guard position is going to be pretty strong for the Nets. You know, at shooting guard, one of the the few signings that the Nets had outside of the big stars was to bring in Garrett Temple. They did renounce Theo Pinson and then bring Theo Pinson back. I really like Pinson. He's a player who isn't going to shake things up in the league for you, but he's a guy who I like to be able to turn to four minutes on a back-to-back. He's just a guy I want on my team. I think he does a number of things well. But really, the biggest piece of shooting guard is Karis Levert. Karis Levert was on track for a breakout of all breakouts last year before he got hurt. And when he came back, and this is to be expected, he just wasn't the same guy right away. He just wasn't the same player that we had seen before the injury. But I think a healthy Karis Levert with Kyrie Irving, that is an amazing backcourt. That's going to get really underrated in the Eastern Conference and throughout the league. You know, we're going to hear about a lot of these backcourts out West, like Connolly with Mitchell. Like Steph with Clay when Clay's healthy, even Steph with D'Angelo Russell until Clay gets healthy, you're gonna hear about a lot of those backcourts. And also with the addition of Russell Westbrook, you'll hear Westbrook and Durant. And maybe this backcourt isn't on par with those, but it absolutely should be mentioned as one of the elite backcourts in the Eastern Conference. Now, switching to small forward, the Nets also brought in Torian Prince this year from Atlanta. I think he's a real good player, real good defender. Knows for the basketball. He's going to do all those intangible things that you need out of, a, out of a wing player. The thing I like about Prince is he's not going to command a ton of shots to be effective. But I think he's going to be a real good piece. He slots in at small forward also with Joe Harris. Just one of the most capable shooters in the NBA, Joe Harris. And I really like sort of the back and forth you can have with Prince and Harris. Prince is more of your standard defensive wing think maybe Andre Iguodala just in terms of what he brings in, in terms of a skill set and then Joe Harris is someone who's just going to stretch the floor and if you've got guys like Kyrie and Lavert who want to get in those driving lanes want to get to the rim create contact one of the best ways to do that is to have someone who can stretch the floor and that's exactly what Joe Harris gives you they did bring in Wilson Chandler this year I'm not sure Wilson Chandler's got a huge role on this team But he's another body. He's another guy you can comfortably start at the four, and you don't have any worries. You know, he could have nights where he goes off for 20 or 25, and then he's going to have nights where he's slightly less impressive. He's a guy who maybe was a little overhyped at one point, whether that was his time in New York or his time in Denver. But for my money, if Wilson Chandler can stay healthy, he's a great addition to the Nets team and somebody who can play big minutes for them down the playoff stretch. Now we turn to the five where... To me, the Nets have two very capable centers. And the contract where they went out and signed DeAndre Jordan as a free agent was a bit surprising for me. Four years, $40 million. For a guy who, in his prime, his skill set was based on the fact that he could get up like almost nobody else in the league. He could block shots, get rebounds. And you could throw alley-oops up to him with confidence that he was going to throw it down or he was just going to have to get fouled because people couldn't stay with him vertically. He's not that guy today. He's still a guy who can get you some rebounds, who can challenge shots. But the athleticism just isn't where it was for peak DeAndre Jordan. And I think we saw that last year, whether that was his time in Dallas or that when he was traded to the Knicks, he was largely a non- Component of the Knicks team for large stretches of the second half of that year I still think DeAndre Jordan can offer something to the Nets But I think if you're a Nets fan You need to be very realistic with what you're getting with DeAndre Jordan You're not getting peak LA Clippers DeAndre Jordan You're getting a new version of Jordan Who can still give you quality minutes and be a quality player But he's not the guy he was And backing up DeAndre Jordan is the reason I was surprised that they brought him in Which is Jared Allen Jared Allen, I think last year, showed so much potential in terms of defensive capability, the base for a solid offensive game as well, really good intangibles. Here's the one thing about Jared Allen. fouls way too much. Tends to pick up some fouls really easily. So if that was the reason to bring in DeAndre Jordan was that you didn't think Jared Allen is consistently going to be able to be on the floor because of foul issues, that's one thing but at four years, $40 million. I feel like you could have gotten a much cheaper alternative to Jared Allen. And just from what I've heard is Jared Allen is not expected to start, that they brought in DeAndre Jordan. They paid him that kind of money to be the starter on this team. And and well-deserved, he should be the starter on this team if they're giving him that kind of money. Interesting depth at center. I don't fully understand the fit, but at the very least, they've got bodies who they can throw at people. And they've got one starting center, and their backup center, who are both going to be elite-level rim protectors. And that's something that can't be overlooked in this league today. So when we look at the Nets, you figure they're going to be starting with Kyrie Irving and Lavert as their two stars, and then some role players in Torian Prince and Joe Harris. And then guys like Spencer Didwitty and Jared Allen and Wilson Chandler, who are all three of those guys are probably going to come off the bench. All three of those guys are going to give you high-quality bench minutes throughout the year, So even without having Kevin Durant, I actually think that the Nets kind of have enough depth that I could see them competing. Now, when they have Durant and this team's at full strength the following year, I think that's when you have the conversations about the one seed in the East and making a push to the Eastern Conference Finals and getting to the Finals and being one of those top teams that we think could contend for the NBA championship. But realistically, without Kevin Durant this year, They've tied up so much capital in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. To only have one half of that, it's just not realistic to see them compete this year. But still, I think it's going to be a very exciting year for Nets fans. I think they're going to have a lot of moments you don't want to miss. But this year, I just don't think they can compete for the title. But I do think they can compete for a playoff spot. Now that's all for the Nets. One trade rumor that I did want to just mention that's really been picking up some steam over, I'd say, maybe the last 24 to 48 hours... And that is the idea of DeMar DeRozan leaving the San Antonio Spurs. It is being reported now that three teams have reached out to San Antonio about the possibility of acquiring the services of one DeMar DeRozan. That would be the Detroit Pistons, the Orlando Magic, and the Chicago Bulls. Even the most optimistic fans of those three teams would have to agree DeMar DeRozan is not getting traded to a contender. The destination that makes the least amount of sense for me is Chicago. Chicago is not a playoff team. I really like some of the pieces that they have in Chicago. Wendell Carter Jr., Zach Levine, Lauren Markkinen, Kobe White. But even if you add DeMar DeRozan, that's still not a playoff team. That team is still a year or two away from being ready and being capable of competing for a playoff spot. I'm not sure that's somewhere DeRozan wants to go, And I'm also not entirely sure what assets does Chicago have to give up that San Antonio is going to want. The two other teams are much more interesting for me, and that is Detroit and Orlando. Detroit because if they could get to Marjorie Rosen relatively cheap, if they could give up some young assets and some future picks, and I don't think Chicago is willing to give up future picks just because of the nature of where those picks could land, but if Detroit, who was a playoff team last year, is willing to give up Some future picks and maybe some young assets. They're able to keep their core intact and run with DeMar DeRozan, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, maybe even Reggie Jackson. That's a team that was the eighth seed last year, who I think has the possibility to push that a little further. Maybe they get up to that sixth seed. Maybe they can compete for the five. Maybe that's a bit too much. Maybe I'm overblowing what I think DeMar DeRozan can do on that team. What do we know about DeRozan? He doesn't shoot the three. So that's not going to be great for Detroit. But when you have those three guys in the Eastern Conference, I think you can compete for a playoff spot fairly easily. And the last last spot is Orlando. You know, they get rumored as to making calls on a lot of guys, and they never really seem to pull the trigger on anything. But they kind of have a glut of players who play the post and the wing, and they probably need to make a move to upgrade that shooting guard position. They've got Jonathan Isaac. They've got Alfarik Aminu. They've got Aaron Gordon. It doesn't make sense to have all three of those guys. Factoring in that you also have Mobamba, you also have Nikola Vucevic. That's five players right there. The most you can play on the floor at any time is probably two of those guys, maybe three, if you try to put Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac on the floor. But something's got to give in Orlando at some point. They have accumulated all of these young assets. They haven't traded away future draft picks in terms of first round picks. At some point, that team seems like they're destined to take a shot on a guy and try to push for a top four seed in the East. They were seven last year. If they run this back and add another piece, could they push that to a four? I think maybe that's stretching it a bit. But if you're Orlando, at a certain point, you have to make that move as a smaller market NBA team. That's going to do it for today's episode of Beneath the Rim. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Friday with another Lab episode. And then on Sunday, we'll have our full court episode where I'll be chatting with Taylor Cornell from Roto Heat. we will be talking about NBA movement this offseason, figuring out what some of our favorite moves are, what some of our least favorite moves are. So uh, don't miss that. That's coming on Sunday. And then we'll be back on Friday with another Lab episode. I'm Kevin Kloss. Thanks for listening. Don't miss a moment of the action. Subscribe to Beneath the Rim for automatic delivery of new episodes in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.